We have our opportunity this morning to come into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, your Creator, your Savior, your Healer, your Friend, your Comforter, and He is worthy of all our praise, all of our adoration, and all of our obedience. In Jesus' name, you be seated. I was sitting back there thinking I could easily yield my time to both of these speakers. It didn't work out that way, so here I am. God is good. I do not preach like Pastor Brent. I do not speak like Sister Hildebrand, the handmaiden, but I hope that Christ's sufficiency will speak through this vessel uh, for His glory and for His honor. Uh, Amen. He is worthy and He is able. Amen. So much of what Pastor Brent was saying was pinging off of different things I read, I thought about, and uh, so much so that I came up here thinking, okay, which direction should I go? Because there were so many, so many directions. And that tells me that the Spirit is moving and those things that God is already speaking to one, He's speaking to another, and He's already spoken to your heart. Because some of the very same things He was saying are things you've thought about this week. you thought about it in prayer. It's already crossed your mind. And so when the minister stands up and he says it, it validates what you already heard in your spirit, in your time with God. Because in your preparation to come into this house, that preparation was in prayer. That preparation happened on a daily basis. So that when you came in here, it wasn't like putting a jump start cable on a dead battery, but you were already ready. You're already ready to flow in the spirit. You're already ready to hear the word of God and, and worship with all your heart with sincerity because somewhere in that house of yours, somewhere in your time alone, you've done some examination. You've done some inquiry before the Lord and you've daily come before him and you've opened your heart before him and he has met with you. How many have met with the Lord this week before coming into the house of God? If in your Christian walk you still haven't developed that discipline, you are missing out. You are missing out on what God would deal with you and have that relationship and that intimacy that cannot be replaced even by the wonderful worship and word that goes forth in this house. Because when you're alone, it's personal. When you're alone, you are hearing from Him. When you're alone and you're crying out to him, you're speaking the things from your heart, from your mind. And God, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. The Lord is able to speak to you and deal with you and lead you in ways that you did not even figure that he would. And then somewhere along that day, something happens and you realize this is the fruit of what I prayed about this morning before I ever went to work. This that is happening right now had its seed somewhere else. In that relationship and that intimacy with our Savior and our Creator. I find it interesting that God has made us so different. But He has allowed in His perfection to allow you to have imperfections. That in His ability, He allows you to have inability. 
He didn't give you the whole package. And anyone who thinks they have the whole package is just deceived, momentarily deceived, because time will go on and they will realize they don't. Um, Let's go to 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. This is chapter 3, verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And we have such trust through Christ toward God, next verse, not that we are sufficient of ourselves. So hear this, to think of anything as being from ourselves, something that we had to offer. But our sufficiency is from God. Amen. Next verse, this will be the last one who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. We go back to verse 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. And just a quick study uh, of Greek, just using some very simple tools, you can easily quickly see that that sufficiency, of course, you can, re- you can understand it from the context without going to the Greek, but it speaks of our abilities. It's speaking of ability. And how often can the child of God hear the beckoning call of the Spirit and quickly begin to judge whether they can do that based on their ability and, and and evaluate that call. And, and I think I've said this before up here. It seems like sometimes I come up here and I'm kind of saying the same things in a different way, but I thank God for his spirit. And I thank God that he teaches us that it is not our ability that he's looking for. It's not our sufficiency that he's looking for. How many times in every organization of man, whether it be a business or any other organization, where as time goes on, it degrades. And it goes from order to chaos. How many times can you read through the history of mankind and governments and powers all through history? And they rose to a pinnacle and then decay set in and chaos set in and things degraded and things changed. Because mankind has the ability to mess up everything. We have the ability to stick our hands in and confuse and pollute anything. So our ability isn't what God needs, but our availability. And I know linguistically that kind of goes together, but the point is that you and I coming before him daily is what he's looking for. He will give us the ability to obey him and to fulfill our calling, but it's not your ability. It's not my ability. And on the other side of that, if we're so insecure as to think there's no way God can use me, that may be a nice place to spring from, but know that it is still not about our sufficiency, but about his sufficiency. There is a place that Paul speaks of, and uh, I just thought of the scripture uh, shortly before coming in, so I can't remember where the reference is at. But there was a point where Paul is speaking, and he talks about all of his trials and all of his difficulties. 
And remember when he goes before the Lord and says, please remove these difficulties from me. Please, please make my way a little more straight. Make it a little easier to walk. Make it more comfortable. He didn't say all those words I did. But the point is he was asking for relief. And how often do we ask for relief in the steps that we take? How often do we want relief? Legitimately, we want relief. And our good God says no. That's not what we want to hear. We're thinking, no, wait a minute, all the promises of God are yea and amen. You know, you're telling me no, but your word says, and we misinterpret that, but we wind up at a place where God says no. And there is a powerful moment there. Because what do we do to God's no? How do we react to God's no? How do we react when he says not now? How do we respond to him? What is our worship like? What is our depth of consecration to him when we hear no? How many times has God said no to his people on a particular situation? And he said no. They cried out and he said no. That's hard to take. And so the believer has to to be anchored in that place of trust that says, even if you say no, (laughs) even, even if I don't receive my relief, even if I don't receive what I'm asking for and praying for and longing for, even if you say no, I will serve you. And that's the place that Job found himself in. I don't know if somebody here is in that same place, but your God loves you more than you know. He loves you more than you know. We look at the present circumstances and we decide in our own mind, in our own perceptions, what the next step needs to be. We perceive it, we look at it, we say, no, it needs to go this direction. And then when it doesn't happen that way or God doesn't meet that need or answer that prayer and the the, the weak, those with, with shallow root systems will question their God. But our God loves you. He can be trusted. He can be trusted with everything in your life. Everything. With his health, family, situation, job, whatever it is. Because he knows all things. He sees all things. He speaks a word. He speaks a word. He speaks a promise. It's already happened. You may not be there in your timeline in your life yet, but it's already happened. It's already taken place. It's coming. It's coming. Don't doubt it. It's coming. You may not see it, but if God spoke it, it's happening. It's already there. You just haven't reached the fulfillment of that promise yet. Because every promise in God is yes and amen. Amen? The no is to your weight. The no is to maybe our impatience. The no is to the thing that we wanted when he had something better planned. Amen? I thought about, and I'm sure you have too, how often... We hear something from God, and we don't want to digest it, or we want to go another route. 
we plan things in our temporary vision, but God's vision exceeds ours. His power exceeds ours. His knowledge of the details exceeds ours. We have this little bit of knowledge of what we think and some predictions that we can make, but it's so, so, so very limited. And our God knows how one thing affects another. As an illustration, I've done a tremendous amount of study about the condition that I have. I've been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, although my pancreas is producing some insulin. And so I'm doing all this study, and I'm trying to do everything I can to take care of myself. Movement, diet, watching out for this, watching that, saying no to this, and because I know I have a temple, and until God has fulfilled his promise to me, it is my responsibility to take care of this carcass, which I know one day will pass away, thank God, and we can go and have a new body with him. But until that time happens and until his promise, I have to watch those things. And I'm learning that in the human body, which there's a lot of things we still don't know, one thing can impact another, which impacts another, which impacts another. And there's this whole effect that is happening in the body, things that you may not be aware of, and so you decide to do this thing, not realizing it's going to have this kind of domino effect throughout the body. Well, our bodies are made by God. He breathed life into the first human beings. He breathed, he breathed life into you in your mother's womb. He brought you forth, and he knows everything about you. So if the God who knows everything about your the smallest parts of your body and how the chemistry of your body works and how every little thing in your body affects everything else, then does he know, does he not know what is best for you in the prayer that you have prayed to him? Because he knows everything. I don't want to ever rest in my, in my incorrect perception that God is looking for my sufficiency, that he's looking for my ability. We all pray and want to give him everything that we have and everything we are, which is right. But in the Old Testament, there's a story where Israel was fighting their enemy. The two stories I can think of, and I forget the context, so I'm just going to go with this highlight here. In the battle, the battle was severe. Israel was winning. But the word of God says that hailstones fell on those enemies and more died by the hand of God than died by the hand of Israel. Here's another scripture I just read uh, or heard read uh, concerning David, but there was a war, and I think this is a civil war actually between the house of Judah maybe and Israel. And But anyway, in the battle, somehow or another they're going through the forest and they're fighting through that and wherever the battleground is, and, and, and more succumb to the forest than succumb to the sword. So although that is interesting and fascinating, what it tells me is God is well able to accomplish what he needs to accomplish. He is well able to accomplish in spite of us what he needs to accomplish if we are submitted to him. 
If we are willing to hear his word and obey his word and fall in line with his word and obey it. Don't have to agree with everything, but obey it and walk because in time you will, you will see the sense of it. You will see it. And if you never do, it's always right to trust him. Amen. I know we're not shouting right now. We just got through shouting. We'll probably shout here in just a few minutes when I'm seated. But I'm thankful for the sufficiency of God. Amen. God, I worship you. God, I magnify you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And his ability, his power, his grace. When the influx comes in, we're not going to be intimidated by that because God is equipping us for that. And it's his ability flowing through you. It's his ability working through us. There are many in this city who need life. There are many in this city who need the words of life. And there's much that God wants to accomplish with the people who are willing to just look to him and trust him and trust his sufficiency. Remember, his grace is sufficient. If you're teaching a Bible study, his grace is sufficient. You're speaking to someone at the store about Jesus Christ and you're pointing them to this truth, his grace is sufficient. If he calls on your heart to pray for someone, his grace is sufficient. He's looking for a vessel. He's looking for a vessel. He's looking for someone who hear him and obey him. His sufficiency is enough. In Jesus' name, praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's give him praise. Let's give him glory. I worship you, Lord. I magnify you, God. Submit your insufficiency to him right now. Lift your hands, lift your voice, and submit your insufficiency to the Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord, we magnify you. God, we come before you realizing our lack, God, but realizing that in you there is all grace and sufficiency for everything you have called us to and called us to be in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you'll give a hand clap to the Lord.